This is episode six of the Get Out of Here Baldy podcast. Today, Pastor Ben and Pastor Aaron talk about National Eat Outside Day. This day in history, we talk about Thomas Edison making a patent on the kinetograph. We also respond to some questions for our question and response from you, our listeners. We talk about last Sunday's message from the book of Haggai and also a little bit of a teaser about what Pastor Aaron's going to speak about on the last portion of Haggai chapter 2 this Sunday at Wyatt Park Christian Church. To finish out this episode, we have an interview with Tim and Lynn Windmeyer. So stick around for that. You can forward on to minute 45 if you would like to catch up with that interview. But for now, my friends, welcome. And let's go get this bread. They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Oregon Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged, so sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, come and take a listen to your two bald kings. The Baldies are back. We're back. What's up, everybody? It is. I'm loving this. This is a great routine for me. And I've just got to say, Aaron, we are at episode six. And uh, for those who doubted us, we still love you. <laughs> we still love you. It's cool. You can anyone can doubt us anytime, so it's cool. Um, episode six, August thirty first, last day of August, going into the first weekend of college football. Ah. The NFL is just around the corner. Pumpkin spice has already been out. I- I've seen in the stores there in in High V at least. There's already a Halloween aisle that's set up. So this is the, this is the one time of year you get to be a K State fan and not take uh, a bunch of junk from KU fans. <laughs> from huh? KU fans, that's right, that's right. And and but this year for for K State basketball. I feel like we're going to be able to take one at home in Manhattan. Now, I, I will never dream about regularly winning in Lawrence in basketball. Um, but I think we can win at home this year. We'll see. But uh, that's still yet to come. But uh, so and the other the other good news, and this is this goes back on on our Baldy listeners out there. We have gone over officially. We've gone over 200 total plays. Man, over 200 total plays. So we're averaging about 40 listens. We need to and... check the analytics and find out how many of those are my mom. How many is your mom? And my mom's been listening too. So I love you, mom. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. 
Oh, she was telling me, she's like, I'm going to the gym. And I got <laughs> my baldies cued in my podcast. I love it. Love it. That's so great. So, so we truly are grateful for everybody who has listened to us. Uh, whether it one time, two times, maybe you, you are a veteran baldy listener. And we just hope that, you know, there's some of you are of... gluttons for punishment. That's there you go. And we trust that, that God is good to those who are. Uh, to all our masochists out there, thanks <laughs> for listening. <laughs> Uh, and also, you're welcome to everyone for you weren't expecting it, but that song. So um, enjoy Dude, it. We got we're, we're legit now. It, it it is. This is this is a serious podcast. And I'll tell you, um, the the guy who wrote the song, his name is Austin Shower. S. I I want. Okay. Anyways, I don't know if he wants me to put out. <laughs> All of that out there. Anyway, so he is. <laughs> thanks, Austin. Yeah, thanks, Austin. Appreciate it. So, so we are back after a brief pause that uh, really no one noticed as you were listening. But um, so national celebrations. We are always mindful of what there is to sell. There's always something to celebrate, and today is National Eat Outside Day. National Eat Outside yeah. Day, and one of the. One of the reasons for this, one of the things that they talk about is food just tastes better when we eat it under the open sky. Do you do you agree with that? I, yes, I actually do agree with that. There is something about grilling out, ah. you know, ah. natural. I, and I, I, I would encourage people maybe on this. I don't know what the, the thrust behind the day is, but like use an open flame. Don't just take your food outside, cook it outside. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I like that. So you're you're taking it an extra step. Don't just, I mean, if, if that's all you can do is just grab something that's to go fair. and eat outside, do it. But if you can cook it outside, I, I think that's, that's great. I think that's fair. Uh, and the other thing was, I just realized this, that that's what al fresco dining is. When someone says al fresco dining, I've heard that before, but I, I didn't know it meant to eat outside. And so it's a day where they say uh, to, to eat al fresco, um, whether you're in the city, on the beach, in the countryside, wherever you are, take your food outside and eat. Um, eat outside day encourages you to taste the sunshine or the moonlight while you are eating your meal. It's like a mini staycation where you get to recharge while eating a delicious feast outdoors. So. I don't know. Do you maybe guys there's... have a good spot at home for that? Um, we have a nice concrete patio on the front of the house. We don't have anything okay. out there currently, like like a table and chairs and stuff. But if we wanted to, we could sit out there. Um, and when it's nice outside, I don't mind from time to time. But yeah, we do. And and of course, being to at, at y'all's place, I love the the deck on your on the, on the back there and even that breezeway in front of the house y'all just have yeah, these get... supreme outside situation we do got a, a sweet spot i need to decide whether because we just got a nice flat top griddle grill yeah um and right now it's in our breezeway which is kind of on the front side of the house whereas the again the view and the deck out there for eating is on the back yeah. I don't know. I, I might be nice to move that grill out back. I might have to think about that. Okay. Do you guys eat outside quite a bit there since you have that, that deck out there in the breezeway? 
Uh, we have, we haven't eaten uh, most of the time when people come over, that's when yeah. we've eaten outside. And so as a family, we haven't done it as much, uh, partially because it's been a little warm. I would imagine as the, yeah. you know, we're coming from, from Washington, we're still adjusting <laughs> to the humidity, I understand. Um, yeah. but, uh, on that week, those weeks that we've had nice weather, um, I mean, the early part of September was a blessing. Uh, but I would imagine come fall, we will be eating out there yes. regularly. Yes, yes, yes. It's such a, I love the fall here in the Midwest. It's just, it's beautiful and very inspiring to eat outside in that weather. All right. So then this day in history, there was a lot of things. One of the things was uh, Jack Ripper killed his first person today. So back in 1888. Do, do we have a name of that victim? <laughs> <laughs> it probably is, but I uh, I don't know if it, it, it lists it. But I decided not to choose oh. that one to talk about. Uh, That's this good. Because what's the lesson? Like, if you want to be remembered, murder people. <laughs> don't go. get murdered by people. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I his, guess. his first murder, they're, they're saying so. Uh, but I thought this was cool. Um, Thomas Edison patents the, I want to say, kinetograph. Am I saying that right? Uh, yes. Well, we'll say yes. Kinetograph, <laughs> the first movie. You said it with ever. confidence. Yeah, that's what, and that's what you got to do, right? Yeah, so, that's right. so, you know, the first movie camera. Um, the, and the reason why I like that is because this Sunday the, there is a group of of uh, movie companies here in the uh, cinema companies in, in the United States who have decided that this Sunday, September third, is a um, a nationwide get back to the movie theater kind of initiative. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be charging $3 for all movies that are showing. Now, I don't know if that includes the Hollywood theaters, which we have here in St. Joe, uh, but some of the other bigger companies are basically doing this together. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, mm -hmm. so you know, when you think about inventions, um, you think about Thomas Edison as an inventor and, and what he did, um, what comes to mind uh, when you think of, of of that particular topic? Oh man, I mean, God, you know, we're sitting here uh, with light because mm. of that. I don't know. Now I, I have to get in the history. That is, he's he actually the the guy. Um, but that and the movie. I mean, this one might be even as we think about significance. Yeah. On kind of you know what was going to take place culturally. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, everybody needs to see at night. So that was, uh, you know, a, a big <laughs> one. But when we think about how that's kind of just shaped values and things of that nature, this is, is maybe even bigger. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think so. Which is pretty cool. And I do, I do think the, like the capturing of moving images, how just how significant and neat that was. And it is fun watching those old films. And, you know, because some of my kids, they'll, they'll actually be interested in it. But I think you can watch it and go, people used to watch this. But I, I think if you if you thought about, you know, if you had, um, if you went from just still photographs or listening to, I mean, I don't even know when the radio broadcast would have been or do they even have audio recordings? I, probably not, because it seems like a lot of those were silent films. Yeah. So there's an interesting yeah. thought that the, mo the moving pictures came before the actual audio. Um, it's just, that's kind of fascinating. I would not, if you had asked me, yeah. I would not have thought that. 
I, I know that was a big thing for Thomas Edison to do. And I, th and I think in his mind, he realized how amazing of an invention it was. But as the years have gone on and technologies have built upon that, it just becomes more monumental with every new technology. And so, but before Thomas Edison, this is what I thought was pretty cool. Before Thomas Edison, this is from uh, history.com. Uh, Edward Mui Bridge, my, my bridge, um, I don't know. Um, Just say with 18... Edward My Bridge, uh, <laughs> he was invited by the governor of California, uh, Leland Stanford, to develop a photo studies of animals in motion. And so Edward, in essence, took oh. 24 cameras on a horse racetrack and each one of those cameras was connected to a trip wire. And so they had a horse run along this, this track where apparently it was impossible for it to not hit the trip wire. And so as the horse ran, it had 24 images huh. of it running. And then they used that to basically put it into a projection showing the horse running. And so that was, that was before Thomas Edison. And so Thomas okay. Edison sort of borrowed some of those concepts for what he did with the, uh, what are we saying here? The uh, kinetograph. So if, if you enjoy movies, if you, I mean, just our phones, like, like how, oh my gosh. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you to, and then to people like, like my bridge before him for trying stuff that they would have never, ever thought that something like that would, where it would go. Who could know? Yeah. Who could know? It's awesome. And it's the only reason we have that stuff is because the guys like that were in their, you know, respective garages or whatever they had back then. And yeah, yeah. Playing the stuff. Right. You know? Right. So keep playing around, keep tinkering around, keep experimenting, keep, I don't know. I mean, just, just do stuff, just, just do stuff and, and don't worry about what will come later, but. Anyways. Um, okay. So thank you to everyone who sent some Q and R things our way. We have a few interesting things and I'll just keep these anonymous. But uh, the first one, Aaron, do you have a life verse? Do you have a favorite verse in scripture? I, I've got a, I've got a couple of them and okay. yeah. they're along a, a theme. Yeah. Um, but my, my, uh, my favorite verses in the Bible are Job 38, one through three. <laughs> um, and so if you're familiar with the book of Job, it's, Basically, this guy's life has uh, gone, he's been put through the ringer, and uh, he has some so-called friends who show up to uh, kind of tell him all of the things that he must have done wrong um, for him to deserve uh, all the losses and, and calamity that he's, he's suffered. Um, and as he wrestles through this, you know, he's wrestling with the character and nature of God and all these different things. And uh, by the end, he demands kind of an audience with God, uh, and God decides to grant him that. Um, and he shows up in the form of a storm, and this is his opening line to Job in this audience. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. And then... He basically takes uh, Job on a virtual tour of the universe um, and looks at it from kind of the most minute details of the birthing habits of goats to like the, the grandest 
like uh, look at the stars and, and uh. the weather patterns and all those things uh. as a way of exposing to Job, like, buddy, I, 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 I love you, but you're not on, you don't have the window or the perspective to be able to sit in judgment of how I'm running things. Um, and for me, I, I kind of came from a anti-religious bent, uh, when I came to the faith and I, I would often, I think, use, uh, different excuses as a way of not kind of yielding to the God of the Bible. And so these verses have kind of just, it's a reminder to me that I, I don't, I don't have as a finite being. Uh, the perspective to be able to sit in judgment of an infinite God. Mm -hmm. um, and so that those are my, my favorite. A related one is Romans, uh, is it Romans 8? Romans 9, um, you know, where it talks about uh, God as the potter uh, mm -hmm. and us as the clay and the right that he gets to shape and mold um, and make us into vessels for honorable purpose, dishonorable purposes, um, because he's he's the one who's created us. And so for me, I was an arrogant individual who often sat in judgment of God. And so I needed the reminder that he's my creator. Yeah. And I am not as smart as I think I am. So those are those are kind of my life verses. I like that. And so I used yeah. to hate those verses. And yeah, sure. as I've as I've matured in the faith, I start to see the wisdom sure. in them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I love that. I, I think um, through the years, my currently my favorite scripture is is the Lord's Prayer because it has just become so central to my everyday. I, I just think we find everything that we need in in living uh, in in that prayer. And then I think the uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which we went through when I first came here to Saint Joe is uh, just all together, just to me, it's sort of the constitution of the kingdom of heaven and uh, gives us a direction. So I, I would have to go with, with, with those as, as my uh, life verses, but definitely the Lord's Prayer, know, for sure. Um, do you have any unique phobias? Unique phobias? No. I mean, I don't know Anything? that they're unique. I mean, if they're, and if they're not unique, we'll just go with, you know, what phobias. You know? I mean, I, like, I got to... I got a, a, a healthy fear of spiders. Um, mm -hmm. So I got a story that goes along with this one. Okay. So yeah, go for it. Uh, when we were, we were in Florida, my wife and I, we bought uh, a house down there. And as we moved in, um, there were some wolf spiders that she saw kind of crawling around. And she's like, I think we need to get an exterminator. I'm like, no, nah, we just need to live in it. We'll do a little spraying and um, that'll take care of it because I was cheap. Um, and she's like, fine or whatever. And so one night I'm sitting at my, uh, office desk and I, I see something out of the corner of my eye, I think crawl, uh, across the floor. And so I kind of look out in the hall and it had disappeared and, it, and headed towards our bedroom. Well, um, it crawled into our bedroom, up into the master bathroom, up the door into my towel. And so when I showered the next no. morning... Um, I oh got my. my towel out and had this wolf spider crawl up oh. my chest <laughs> into oh no. my face. And I'll tell you what, we, we got an exterminator that afternoon. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. my wife still laughs at that and says, you got what you deserved. So. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is what nightmares are made of. And because that is my number one phobia as well, spiders. Um, I, I, can, I can do snakes. I can do other insects for sure. Maybe not touch them, but definitely spiders. Um, I just, there's just no room for, for spider. That I will question. There's a God reason they're it. often the depiction of evil. Yeah. Right. Right. right? right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we will, uh, we'll agree on that one there. Um, what, uh, what annoys you the most? Man, these are these were not the kind of questions I was anticipating. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> what annoys me the most? I mean, I guess since we got probably church people listening, I'll just be honest. I, I think yeah. for me, it's it's become over the years when we as Christians can make something other than the gospel central to what we do. Okay, and so. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's... Speak on that a little bit. So, oh, I mean, we can. Yeah. We, we develop yeah. in our churches, and de depending on your background, we all have sure. the traditions, the things that we love, or... Right, yeah. Um, and I have seen, I've just seen people get so upset. You could have someone preach a false gospel, and they get less upset than if we canceled this event, or didn't do this thing, mm. or um, you said this thing wrong. And it's not so much that I, I, I don't mind people having traditions. It's just they, sure. when they care less about, again, uh, a, an authentic gospel um, or the right teaching of the word or care for the poor or right, those, those, those huge priorities that we see in scripture. Yeah. Um, when those get de-emphasized mm -hmm. and people mm -hmm. get so passionate or bent out of shape about things that in my view, it just should be secondary to those those gospel priorities. It's just as a pastor. I mean, part of it's my job to teach that and to shepherd yeah. people towards that. So um, I, I don't get mad at the people, but it's just it is one of the things that's infuriating to me as our communities of faith is when we do that. And I, I think uh, I think the the world sometimes takes note of that and often has a field day for it. And so I think sometimes. Uh, we can be to blame for that when we do that. So, I, I mean, that's probably a more serious one. On a less good. maybe serious <laughs> note, um, uh, you, people who chew loudly, <laughs> you're, you're pumping your fist yeah. like you're number one. Yep, 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 yep. You're hitting on our, our phobias and our annoyances are right there. Yeah. Now, is there a particular food in that you think of that's breakfast like, cereal? Okay, breakfast <laughs> cereal. Um, do you have? Okay, this is a phobia of mine that goes along with with annoyances. Uh, sitting on a plane without headphones, without noise canceling headphones, next to someone who is just having a field day with their gum, chewing their gum, oh. where you are just captive audience to them chewing their gum, blowing bubbles. Mm-hmm. So that's that. a fear and an annoyance. So I would agree. As a kid, that was my, uh, uh, my brothers, they will tell you that I was the, the smacking police. Like I would always tell them not to smack their food. And my oldest brother, Eric, was seriously the worst. He, he chews like a, like a cow, like his mouth moves, like, like he's chewing gud, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, it's almost impossible, physically impossible for him to chew without smacking. Um, and, and so anyways, if you're listening, Eric, I love you, but, uh, you know, so, but there's actually a, I think it's a thing called misophonia or something like that. It's like a, 
um, M-I-S-O-P-H-O-N-I-A or something, misophonia. I, th I think it's like a, a mental, I don't want to call it disorder because I don't have any disorders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's basically where you can hear a sound that not everybody hears. And to you, it's, it, it's kind of, it's not only annoying, it can be threatening. It can be, uh, it can, it can cause anger to rise up in you. And, and mm. so then people who don't experience that think it's so silly. Why, why do you not, why does that make you so angry to hear someone chewing their food or being in the, like I take earplugs to the, to the uh, movie theaters because okay. people shoving massive amounts of popcorn in their mouth and just, just crunch, crunch, crunch. I, I take, I just take ear, uh, earplugs, silicone earplugs, and I'm in my own world. I can still, still hear the movie and uh but not have to hear everybody chomping down on, on their snacks mm. so but you know to someone who doesn't experience that they think that's so weird <laughs> so uh, maybe it is i don't know i've never claimed go. to be normal but <laughs> so okay so we match up on on the uh the fear and the annoyances there and uh so then lastly this one's this one's difficult um if there was a movie made about your life Mm. what actor would you like to portray you? So I'm going to take this as, as if basically it doesn't matter if they look like you. It's just like, who would you say, this is who I would want to be cast to, to play, to play my life. Mm. Oh, let's see. Um, it's tough. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, my initial reaction was like, Jim Gaffigan would do a good job playing me. <laughs> I love Jim Gaffigan. That would I can see that. I can see that. I feel like, I feel like I want my life to be somewhat of a comedy, but like he can yeah. go a little dark when he needs to. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I like he wouldn't that. be bad. Um, yeah. Let's see. Who yeah. else would I think? Um, I mean, if I wanted to go r real, let's see. Um, what's his name? Paul Giamatti is another guy that I'm okay. like, I really like him as an actor. And yeah. I don't know why I think he would portray me well, but he's one that I'm like, yeah, I think it would work. So there, there you go. There's a couple. Okay. All right. Jim Gaffigan, if I was going light. Paul Giamatti, if I was going maybe a little more serious. All right. Uh, maybe Seth Rogen for me. Uh, okay, I don't watch. I don't watch a lot of his movies, but I. I just his laugh is hilarious to me. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, the other one that comes to mind is, and this goes back to childhood watching Home Alone. Macaulay Culkin, of course. I don't know if he's <laughs> acting anymore, and he's really. I, I don't want to call anyone strange or weird, but I, I. Anyways, I don't know much about him nowadays, but I think because we were kind of the same generation. Maybe he could he could pull a good good Ben Hitzfeld off. I don't know. There you go. Um, All right. So we'll, we'll we'll go with that. But I no, I do like uh, Jim Gaffigan for you. I think that would be fantastic. Um, I mean, so, it's funny. I think I think having watched so many of his comedy specials, sometimes his little yeah. mannerisms like will show up when I do public speaking and stuff. So oh, I see. Yeah. I I'm, I'm pretty sure it's because I've started yeah. to mimic him in some ways. Uh huh. But <laughs> it's funny how that happens. How the things that you watch and the, and the people that you listen to the most, how sort of their mannerisms creep into what you, what you do and what you say. It is, it's, it is scary. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. That's funny. 
All right. So on to kind of the the, the last bit of, of this uh, um, episode, uh, talking about as we have been doing sort of previous messages and then what we're looking forward to. We're going through the book of Haggai. We went through chapter one and last week was chapter two, verses one through nine. And the title of the message was The Best is Behind Us. And I started off with an illustration uh, about uh, Darlington, Indiana. And that was a town that Rebecca and I lived in for about four and a half years. And it was a town that is very similar to, to many other towns and cities across America. It's a town that mm. had its, what you'd say, its glory days. And many people who lived there remembered those days. And and some would say, you know, the best days are behind us as, as a town, as a city. And it's been amazing how many people <laughs> have reached out to me and said, yep, you basically described fill in the blank, right? Mm. And so I'm curious, you know, for, for you, you know, it, has that been, did you picture any place, and you don't have to say them out loud, but did you picture sure. some places in your mind? Uh, no, I mean, I think, again, it's, I mean, going back to kind of my biggest annoyance um, is I, I really do feel like I see this less in the cities that I've lived in and more in the communities of faith I've been in. Just oh, about how okay. their, yeah. their the church was, you know, so awesome back in the day yeah. and you know, I, I've often been in ministries that uh, are going through transitional periods. Um, and so whether it be in church attendance or the type of programming that they've done, um, I, I've often, I mean, every stop that I've been mm -hmm. in was going through some sort of major transition. Um, and so you see this kind of same sentiment yeah. in that um you know, the, the church guy in its heyday, it was so wonderful. You did. So you were talking about the, um, basically how churches sort of find that struggle as, as well, sort of like towns to look back in their past and sure. say the best is behind us. Sunday schools were full at one time. Uh, we had people wore dresses and men wore suits and ties and, <laughs> you know, kids yeah. were, were, well-behaved. I, I don't know. They're quiet. And <laughs> so, um, anything else to, to sort of build up on that? And maybe what is, what, what is, um, something that you've done to help people realize, um, that the best doesn't have to lie in our past. How have you been able to convince people? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think getting them to, to, dream and remember that the Holy Spirit is active. So pointing them back towards the hope of Jesus's return. And so that, you know, for the people in Haggai's day, it was, and we'll get to this kind of in, in this next message. It, I mean, he points them ultimately to the, the promise of a, a, a person who would come and set all things right, uh, which that was Jesus. And mm -hmm. in the same way, we're sitting kind of in a waiting game, awaiting Jesus's return. And so ultimately that's been one of the things that I've utilized is just pointing them back to uh, Christ's return going, one, it's not, I, there. God can do some cool things here in the present, but that's not actually where our ultimate hope lies anyway. Um, we, you know, it is looking forward to, to Jesus's return. So that's been one thing. Uh, but the other thing is is reminding people that may, to make sure that they're not looking at the past through rose-colored glasses, which you kind of mentioned. 
Um, and so, you know, in the case of Haggai, you know, we had talked a little bit about um, Ezekiel 8 last week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before people go into captivity, there's these books in the Bible like Ezekiel that kind of show what was going on in the temple uh, that these people uh, are lamenting. Yeah. And it's like you have all these idols, the you know, depictions of unclean animals, the, the bowing down to false gods. And so like Ezekiel 8 kind of gives you this like great little portrait of that. And so these people are like, oh, wasn't that temple so great? Well, yeah, Solomon's temple might have been beautiful. But one, he taxed the bejeebies out of you people to get it. And then you right. like, like it caused the split of the kingdom yeah, for that right. matter. Yes. Um, and, and then it became this house of idols and mm. like priests having sex with women outside of it. Like the number of heinous things that were done in it too. It's going, it wasn't, it might've looked pretty, mm-hmm. but it was not that great. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the other things I've, and I, I, I'm very careful about how I do this is reminding people that, Again, and you mentioned this, it, it might have been great for you, but it wasn't necessarily great for everybody. And so where sure. you can kind of point back and show, hey, maybe this thing, maybe the Lord actually needed us to move beyond this. Or maybe it was for a season yeah. and now it was great and we can move move uh, on and forward. But also showing them that w- where uh, things maybe weren't as awesome as they, they should be and, yeah. and say, you know what, maybe we can work towards making something great for everybody. Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so then one of the things that that I mentioned was that when we live in this manner where it says the best days are behind mm-hmm. us, oftentimes we live in either apathy, despair, maybe both. Would you add anything mm-hmm. to that or just what's your reaction uh, is to that? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think those are two things that uh, that clearly happen is. Uh, we start to, again, become so uh, focused on the past that we're not any good in the present, uh, kind of the apathy. And then, yeah, when we only see uh, the the bad in our own day, um, I think, you know, like you said, despair is what happens. Um, there's a study that I read um, called the kids these days effect. Um, and it was this idea that not only do that we do this with towns or, or church communities or whatever, we do this with like whole generations of people mm-hmm. that we we look at uh, the kids running around and think that, oh, my gosh, the world's going to go to hell in the handbasket. And these people are never <laughs> going to amount to anything. Yeah. And they showed that one of the ways uh, that people psychologically do this is they take the trait that's most important to them and that they see in their in their life as kind of one of their high values and uh, something that they personally are good at, they apply it to their whole generation and then use that as kind of a contrast portrait mm. for those around them. Yeah. And what, what that's not, that'll lead you to despair. And what you're not noticing is looking in the mirror going, hey, you you and your generation have your own faults. <laughs> sure. And these yeah. young ones, sure, they have their faults uh, for, for certain, but they probably have a bunch of gifts that we could uh, mm. kind of appreciate um, and encourage and maybe maybe offset some of the the holes that we dug, hmm. um, and so getting excited about that. And so I think that's one of the the ways to do that is to um, I think we always want to be po- overly positive with ourselves, whether that's as a generation, as an individual, as a church community, and be overly negative with those kind of outside of us. And I hmm. I think if we inverted that, 
um, not to beat ourselves up, but to just be honest about our own faults and then try to appreciate um, some of the good things that we do see in the world and in others um, that we typically maybe don't see eye to eye with, we would probably be less apathetic um, and yeah. hopefully more hopeful as well. I appreciate that. That's some good words. When each generation sort of thinks of our generation as the gold standard, then yeah, then we're not going to have any hope for the world because then every generation below us is just they're 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 lost they're 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 stupid they're lazy they're whatever i mean you know there's so many things you, you could labels you can throw out for for and, and i found myself thinking those things about the generations that that, that are younger than me so i have sure. to keep myself in check and remind myself that man there are some good things in in the generations uh that are that are coming up underneath me and uh, one of the things that i really loved about the and this is kind of be my last thought on uh haggai two one through nine was in verse seven when God says, I will shake all the nations mm. so that the treasure. So <laughs> in verse eight, he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. But verse seven before that, he says, so that the treasure of all nations will come and mm. I will fill this house with splendor. And so, you know, we, we could read that passage and just think in terms of there's going to be a new temple that's built and that new temple is going to be you know, greater than the last one, but I love that it's pointing us even beyond that temple rebuild to the one that we would call Jesus, who is the treasure of all nations. Mm. I mean, when you find those, those moments throughout scripture that keep pointing us back to, I mean, it goes back to your message, your first message, you know, sort of the, the point of the Bible and, and what it's, what it's about. And, and so we find it there in Haggai that it's not just about that second temple. That was an important part of their history, but it's also about, um, uh, about Jesus coming in and living within the temple. That is uh, us uh, as people, as the body of Christ. It, so. Well, just, and, and that, I mean, that's the other thing. I, maybe another good piece of advice is to let Jesus shape your perspective on what is greatness. What does mm -hmm. it mean to have success? Because, mm -hmm. again, a, a beautiful temple in their mind. And, and they got one right when Persian opened up the checkbooks or later yep. on with Herod's temple. Right. Um, Although, but then you're going to find that Jesus wasn't too happy with that one. He's flipping over tables and, it, and not happy with what was going on there. And I, I think that's where yeah. Jesus in the incarnation, right? Putting mm -hmm. on flesh. Uh, well, I mean, and we had, we had the early church. You had whole like Gnostic philosophy and stuff that was, this yeah. just rubbed up against what they thought was right and good. Sure. And and so that's what we have to do is allow Jesus to shape what we think great is, because it's, you're right. When God put on flesh, um, yeah, it might yeah. not have been what, what I, how I wrote the script, right. Uh, but there's an incredible beauty and greatness there that, uh, is, is wonderful. And then he goes on even further and, and decides, like you said, to give his spirit to, to all his people. Yeah. Um, yeah what what an incredible wow. thing that that means that guys like you and i are yeah. more beautiful than the most glorious uh you know temple that's ever been made with human hands so yes yes you're two bald kings right here <laughs> that's it. glorious because we're filled with the holy spirit 
So there may be somebody who is on the fence about coming to church on Sunday for whatever reason. And so this is a time, give a little bit of a teaser uh, of, of what they're going to hear oh. this upcoming Sunday as you dig into the rest of, of Haggai 2. So, yeah, I think um, yeah, what I love about this book is it's the Lord gives charges and, and you see movement. It's not like, they, but they don't fully necessarily grasp everything that the Lord is after. And so he challenges their apathy in that, in that kind of beginning and their commitment to the community. Um, and so they do, they start to work, they start to gather supplies, they start to work on, on the temple. Um, and then he kind of exposes further, maybe one of their, the reasons that they haven't been going is they have wrong expectations um, and that they've just... Uh, again, kind of giving themselves mm. over to despair and a lack of hopefulness for what God is doing. Mm. And, and then in this third part, he kind of exposes that underlying all of that is really our, our, their their commitment. Um, and so it does seem um, that they, they have uh, probably sin in their life. And so things that they're unrepentant of. Um, but also just are they are they committed to to the Lord? and to the covenant partnership that he wants with these people. Sure. And so he really challenges uh, one, their, their, their commitment to him and also their commitment to holiness, um, which seems to be underlying why, why they're not uh, active in their effort. And so what I love about this is, uh, you know, it, it's not just their efforts or their behavior kind of that the Lord was after. He was after something mm -hmm. deeper. He wants that relationship. He wants them to be committed to that covenant partnership um, that he's established with them. And so uh, he continues to kind of unearth that. And this is what a, like a, few, a number of months now after that first uh, prophecy. And so uh, it's like over these these times, it's kind of that's how we work. Right. We, we yeah, right. the Lord challenges us and, and we do give some things to him, but we don't yield fully. And so he keeps at us. And so this passage is fun because he, he continues to challenge them. Uh, but the two thirds of this passage this week are actually going to be him not asking anything of the mm. people, wow. but really giving them a promise, uh, one, to, to bless them physically um, mm. uh, and to supply for them. Uh, but also there'll be some messianic hope there at the end. So that's kind of what we'll be looking at this week. That's awesome. I hope uh, everyone has enjoyed going through the book of Haggai. We will do some more. Uh, going through some Old Testament uh, prophets uh, as, as time goes on. Looking forward to, as we finish this up, we'll get into Titus and the New Testament. Um, but uh, would love to invite everyone to come and join us for worship at Wyatt Park Christian Church uh, this upcoming Sunday. If you would live in St. Joe or maybe you're just traveling through, we are on 2623 Mitchell Avenue. And uh, we have services at 915 and 1045. And upcoming, a few things going on. We have our D6, Deuteronomy 6, Wednesday night activities. And this is something for all ages. We're, we're going to start off with a, with a Chick-fil-A dinner at 6 p.m. And uh, and then classes start at 6.30. And, and so Aaron's going to be with the high schoolers. I've got an adult class. Uh, Cindy's got an adult class. And then uh, Tanya and uh, her volunteers have, have things going on for kids uh, of all ages and junior hires. So we're Looking forward to getting going with that, so definitely make that a priority if you are around and, and free on Wednesday nights. 
Um, and so we're going to wrap things up here. Next, what you're going to hear is an interview that uh, Aaron and I got to, to do with Tim and Lynn Winmeyer. Uh, they are members of Wyatt Park Christian Church, but also they are residents of St. Joe and they own and, and manage a flower farm called Home Place Fields. And so stick around, listen to that and listen to every minute of it. There's so much good uh, in that and you're just going to be blessed by that conversation with the Winmeyers. So for uh, the ending of episode six, this is Ben signing out. I'm going to say grace and peace out. And beware of the bears, folks. Beware of the bears. We'll see you next week. In this interview, Ben and Aaron speak with Tim and Lynn Winmeyer, owners of Home Place Fields in St. Joseph, Missouri. Tim and Lynn talk about how they got started in the flower farm business and share some details about their upcoming second annual Flower Farm Day. So without further ado, here are the Winmeyers. All right, friends. Thank you for joining us again. This is episode six, and we are coming at you with Tim and Lynn Winmeyer, who are members of Wyatt Park Christian Church. That's awesome. Um, that's how we've gotten to know them. But they also have a, a business here in St. Joseph um, called Home Place Fields. And they are working towards an event coming up here on September 10th called Flower Farm Day. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, uh, welcome Tim and Lynn. Thanks for joining us today. It's good to see you. Um, Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So let's just start off and tell us a little bit about yourselves, whatever you want to say about yourselves, and what brought you back here to St. Joseph, Missouri, because I know you have you have some history here going back a few years. So wherever you want to start off with that. You want to start? Sure. Okay. Gosh, that's open-ended. Um, yeah. So we'll be talking for the next 30 minutes. There you go. Um, no, it's all so, you. <laughs> we are um tim and lynn winmeyer we've been married for almost 16 years now um we have been back in the saint joseph area for almost seven years now um prior to this immediately prior to living in saint joseph we were in boone north carolina um, serving with ministry there um, and that ministry called samaritan's purse that i, I still continue to work with um, we served with them uh, in East Africa. Um, Lynn was actually serving with another ministry while, while we were living in East Africa. Um, and then we moved to the headquarters there in North Carolina and served there for a number of years before um, kind of feeling the pull and the call back to the home place, um, hence Home Place Fields, which is my family's farm. Uh, I grew up just north of where we're currently sitting, um, but my family called and and said hey there's an opportunity to to farm at, at this which is my family's kind of ancestral um migration location from when they came from europe this is where they settled and, and so the farm has been in the family since 1868 when it was established um, and so we got the opportunity to move into the home place the house um, and work on the farm that that my ancestors um, started when they came from Europe. So um, that is 
kind of what drew us back. We really felt a strong pull from the Lord, releasing us from North Carolina and saying, hey, go back and, and really dig deeply and, and plant some roots in home place, at the home place. And so that's what we've done. What would you add? Hello. So when we started really praying about and feeling inspired to come back, um, we were kind of thinking, okay, so we're going to go back to St. Joe. What is that going to look like for us on the farm? Is it just going to be the typical traditional farming or what does that look like? Um, and honestly, for me as a creative, I was kind of thinking, what am I going to do there? <laughs> um, and it was really interesting because God really inspired me through a dream, a recurring dream that I had multiple times. And in the dream, I was sort of sitting on the porch by myself of this building I had never seen or could remember seeing. And it was a two-story white building. And I was sort of lifted up and I saw these rows of colors. <laughs> and um, and I and I heard the words, you are loved. And I, and I just didn't fully understand what it meant, but I, I, I felt like his presence and his leading through this dream. And it, and it, every time I had the dream, it was exactly the same. And so I started kind of looking up like things that could be colorful that we could grow and even looked up sorghum because he grew sorghum in um, Sudan. And I thought, well, maybe it's that, you know, what am I seeing in this dream? And um, I think I had dabbled in flowers and floristry a little bit just through um, some of my jobs and um, kind of just as an element of my job that always been in fashion design. So in one of my jobs, I learned to make bridal bouquets. And then, um, and then as a volunteer at our church, I learned to do floristry through a lot of amazing gardeners that um, attended our church in Bend. So it was kind of like just dabbling in that. And then my mother was always really big at growing roses and flowers. And I've just kind of been around that my whole life too, but traditional floristry. Um, so Tim was sort of inspired on one of his trips in Asia, lots of floral things in that neck of the woods. And he, I remember him messaging me, hey, what if we grew flowers and you designed with them? And I thought, hmm, I hadn't really thought about that. And so then I started looking at different flower farms on um, online. And of course, there's a lot out in the state of Washington. Um, there's one that I began to follow called Florette. And she's probably one of the most well-known flower farmers in the world, actually. Um, and so I just kind of started doing research and so did he. And we, we just began dreaming and um, we, we landed here in August of 2016 and started planting in January, February, just growing um, starts and said it was our 2017 experiment. And so our experiment kind of took off and here we are. <laughs> I love it. Now, Tim, you were, you have history here in St. Joe and remind me where you grew up at. Yeah. So I grew up um, just east of St. Joe on a farm out route W, which is just north of, of where we are located. Okay. Um, and so I grew up here, um, went to central high school and left for college. And then after I left for college, um, very quickly after college, after graduation, I ended up in East Africa, um, serving in, in Sudan. 
And what I thought was going to be a six month contract in Sudan, working to, to grow, like Lynn said, some sorghum, it ended up with a gosh, now 20 year history with the ministry in a bunch of different places around the world. Um, so it, it was really exciting to be able to come back home uh, to St. Joe and a little bit daunting too, just kind of thinking mm -hmm. about some of the things that we're gonna be leaving behind. And, and so kind of like what Lynn was saying, as we were looking at coming back to the farm, I get really excited about growing corn, soybeans, um, less excited about working with cows. Um, but, you know, we also wanted to just look at this place as like, we have an opportunity to um, be part of our family's, my family's legacy for this land specifically um, and, and shepherd it. And how are we gonna do that well? And what do we want this farm to look like? And is it only going you know, the traditional corn, soybean kind of mix, or could we do something different? Um, and so when we started praying about that and really dreaming about it, um, like Lynn said, she had very clear visions and dreams. Uh, but I think kind of overreaching even beyond the, well, what are we going to grow here? And what are we going to do with the farm? A big piece of it is what do we want it to be to the community? Um, and some themes started to bubble out of that that I think still reside in um, in the business and in the farm. And that was, we wanted this place to be a place where we invited people in. Um, we wanted this place to be a place of peace where others would come in and feel comfortable here and really feel the Lord's presence and the beauty of his creation. Uh, and so, you know, as we look through, well, what, what does that mean? And how does that all, all fit? Um, it started coming down to, you know, you don't need 500 acres of flowers uh, to invite people in, but we can have people coming here and picking up flowers and interact with people and just have them here on the farm in ways that really excite us uh, because then we can actually build relationships and minister to people through just our interactions with them as well. That's fantastic. So the farm, did I hear right that that also there was some dairy operations going on there years ago? Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's correct. So the, this was a dairy farm, gosh, until I would say the mid, yeah, early 90s, 93, I think is when they sold the dairy cows. Um, so the dairy barn is where we do all of the flower design and speed starts and it's been transformed a little bit. Something I always tell people about the milk barn is, you know, first it was dairy farming and then um, for a long time it became a hunter's cabin. And so the hunters actually built a cooler space in the milk barn, which if you know anything about floristry, you need a cooler to keep your flowers um, to have them longer. And so there was already a cooler in there had to add tables and a few other things and update the air conditioning unit that that creates the cooler and it it was just like it was meant meant to be so it's, it's been kind of cool to to share that part of the story with everyone i love that so and um as you have gotten into the flower business what what has surprised you the most what has been the greatest joy since <laughs> since the experiment of 2017 
Um, I definitely have been surprised how it's connected us with people in the community um, who want to share what they grow. Um, I've met a lot of really wise women who have been gardeners their whole life and who have um, wisdom and knowledge to share. And I've learned a lot from them and I probably never would have met them otherwise or really had much to in, to, in common with them or to talk to them about. And so those relationships have been really sweet and a nice surprise. Um, and also just with the customers, um, their connections to the farm are, are not always about the flowers. It's just the flowers that bring them here. And so even, the, for example, there's one little family that comes and they're a subscriber. We have these subscriptions that you can do um, for six weeks or 12 weeks. And um, they've been a subscriber for probably two or three years now. And they have a little girl who every time her mom would come, she would get her out of the car. And I thought it's so funny that she gets her out of the car because it's just a quick jump, jump out to grab the flowers and get back in. But it's because the little girl wants to come and play with our cats and our dog. And she told me that the little girl pr prays for all the animals in her life every night. And she, she has to pray for Gus. And so Gus is our dog. Anyone who's been here has met Gus. And um, this sweet little girl, um, praise for Gus every night. And it's just like those, those connections have been not anything I would have expected. Um, so that's been a really fun part of the whole business. I'd say for me, there's, there's probably two things, Ben. The first would be, um, Lynn and I have always worked, um, really hard next to each other and supported and encouraged each other in, in what we were doing but never actually worked with each other on, on something. And so um, the business and the flowers is the first opportunity that we've really had to, to try to figure out how to do this working together. Um, so that's been fun um, and challenging and fun uh, to figure out how to do all of that. And then the second, I would say, that's been really fun for me to see over the years is uh, since I've known Lynn, she's been maybe the most creative person I've, I've ever met, um, starting from fashion design to interior design to, uh, she's like the brain really, really strong in her and, um, growing flowers. I, I used to joke and say that all I'm doing is growing shapes and colors. And then they would die in the feet completely if it wasn't for Lynn, who was coming and putting them together and arranging them in ways that, that people find, um, cool and unique and different. And so seeing that design in a different format with her, um, I, I can't, I mean, we've had people come and just say like, oh, we saw your, your flowers at this event or, or that wedding. And we knew they were yours because of how they were designed and how they were put together. So um, it's just been fun to see her creativity come alive in the flowers um, and not only me see it, but other people see it and acknowledge like, Hey, that's, that's Lynn's work. And that's, that's her design stuff that she's doing. So that's been fun for me. Aaron, do you have any follow-ups to that before we get into the, uh, event coming up? Uh, I, well, maybe just, I mean, you started to poke through there at the end, um, there, Tim, just as you guys are, are working the land, um, and again, putting these things together. Like, what about, how does the Lord open your eyes to just more of who he is, 
um, his creativity through that process. Maybe you guys can just talk about that for a little bit. It's really amazing just to be out there, um, especially either early in the morning or at sunset. I don't know. Mm. There's just um, a peacefulness about that time. And the lighting of the way the flowers look at that time is really, um, I think, just their most beautiful that they can be. And it's just, I, it's hard not to be in awe of him as a creator and, and what you look at just the intricacies of each flower and there's so many and all the colors and the ruffles and the stripes and the specks and like, there's just so much in each one and to think that he created that um, for us mm. to enjoy um, is, it's hard not to be in awe of him. And even like the insects that are involved and just all the, how it all works together is, is really incredible. And I, that's definitely something I didn't expect to come from all of this mm. is just that closeness to him in those moments um, of, Hey, the, look at this. I made this for you, you know, and mm. then I get to share it with somebody else is, is really special. Um, the other thing I think about a lot is we joke about loaves and fishes around here mm. <laughs> because if we have a big event and I need a lot of something, it's really easy to get fearful that I won't have mm. enough. Um, and so we're always throwing that around. Um, in fact, I have an event on the Friday for our big event on Saturday that got me a little nervous. And I keep saying, okay, loves and fishes, God mm -hmm. will provide, it will mm -hmm. all come together. We will have everything we need and it, and it always does. He always just works all out, so. That's fantastic. Yeah, so I would just add maybe, um, you know, I, I think of, we've all come from the dirt and to the dirt will return and we've mm -hmm. just got placed halfway in it a little bit earlier than what uh, others maybe do. Um, so yeah, like Lynn was saying, being out there and working in the flowers, weeding is not my favorite thing to do, but it is a pretty incredible time to just be in creation with your hands in the dirt, seeing the symmetry and the design and the intricacies of creation. Um, it is great meditation time and really just, I, I find it really good think time for me when my hands are moving in a very menial task, like pulling weeds and, mm -hmm. you know, it just focuses my heart quite a bit while I'm, I'm doing those activities. And so, um, yeah, it's not a huge area, um, kind of physical space wise that we're growing flowers in, but there's a lot of things happening in there. If you slow down enough to, to engage them. Mm -hmm. I love how you have connected what you do with who you are as children of God. That's my favorite thing. And I, anytime I see that, I just want to uplift that because I want people to know that they don't have to work in, in a church, in a formal church setting to do, to do ministry and to find God's purpose for them to to be a preacher to be someone who tells the good news of of what jesus is doing in their lives uh it just comes through the way that we work and and so i appreciate that about you both and 
your story is inspiring. And so I'm glad mm -hmm. it's out there. I'm, I'm hoping that folks will listen to this and get to uh, make that connection with you in that way as well. Um, so last, <laughs> we got a phone ringing in the background. Last year, it was our first year, Rebecca and I had moved to St. Joe and we were excited to attend your first flower farm day. And so tell us a little bit about uh, first, how that got started. What was the idea behind that? So one of our um, partnerships that we do is with Nesting Goods, which is in downtown St. Joseph. And it's this um, beautiful home decor shop um, just for gifts and home things. Um, you can find anything you would want in there. But we've had a partnership with them for the entire time we've been going basically. And through that time, um, Chris, the owner and I always talk about, you know, people will ask, well, where is the farm? Can I visit the farm? And all these questions. And um, she, she said, hey, I, what if we had like a big event where we invited everybody to the farm and we did it together and I could bring some stuff out and it just kind of, it's snowballing from there. Um, because for us, you know, we said we really wanted to share the farm with others. So it fit right in line with what we're trying to do. And um, so she and I just ran with it last year and it surprised us how it, it went. Um, we weren't expecting that kind of turnout and we were very pleased. Um, so we're excited to see how this year goes um, and see what God does with it this year. Yeah. So how, what was the turnout last year? Um, so <laughs> we had a counter uh, and he said, he stopped counting after 350. Um, and so he was estimating 50. Um, and looking at the event pages and stuff, we're kind of expecting double this year. So we've sort of doubled down on everything. Um, we've got two food vendors this year instead of one, um, plus the snow cone people, and then um, Alchemy uh, Nesting Goods kind of partner company downtown, which is a tea shop, will also be here with baked goods. So we'll have a lot more food items. And then um, we'll have the henna like we did last year and the and the corn pit. And then we're also going to have face painting for the kiddos um, or the big, big people if they want. Um, and then um, we'll have the build your own bouquet, but we also have two bands instead of one. So I'm really excited about the two different bands that we have come in. And just a lot more um, of the same, but also adding on some fun new different things this year. Yeah, and I would say we, we learned a lot last year just in the, the startup process. And, and for me, <laughs> Lynn used the word snowball. Um, the whole event last year when we were starting it was, hey, great, yeah, let's invite some people to the farm and, and open up the farm for a day. And wouldn't it be great to add and wouldn't it be great to add? And wouldn't it be great to add? And so all of a sudden we had multiple different vendors with different kinds of things that that they create from handmade cards to honey to, um, it, yeah, there's just a wide variety of vendors that were here and set up and then music got added. So the live music was a great addition. Um, and then the food trucks came and gosh, last year, by the time I got to a food truck by, by mid-afternoon, he had like some hot dog buns and, and a little bit of pulled pork left. And that mm. was it. Um, 
and so it just became a great a great time to share this place um and it it felt part like we're having a giant party with all of our friends and families and customers and and partially a great event just to to have people present on the farm here so like Lynn said, a little bit crazy. Uh, we definitely need the loaves and fishes to show up for, for everything um, for this year, but we're excited to, to do it again and see just how many people will show up and, and yeah, we're praying for a, a great, fun, safe day where people can enjoy this place. So when, when you were planning that first year, in your mind, did you have a number like, if we have this many, it would be awesome, like for showing up? Yeah, I, well, I don't remember what was in my, but I remember a customer coming who knows our family well, and I talked to her after the fact, and she was telling me that she told her friend on the way here, if they have 50 people, I'll be so happy for them. And then she pulled <laughs> up, and there was like this huge line of cars, and she was pulled over. So I think I... I kind of went into it with similar expectations, but when she said that to me, it kind of made me laugh because I, that is something too that we've found with this whole starting the business and doing something sort of different. Um, your families and friends get nervous for you <laughs> and they're like, we really hope this works for them. But, and um, yeah, it is a, it's a leap of faith every time I think we try something new. That's awesome. I, I love that. I mean, that's just how God works, isn't it? He, we, we, we take our small things. We take our loaves and fishes. That's the, per my goodness. Y'all, y'all should preach a, a sermon on that sometime. Let you <laughs> weave that into something. I love that. So you mentioned there's going to be some changes going to be some more food trucks there. I, I'll say this last year, who was the food truck, the primary food truck out there? Bubba's Barbecue, which we tried to have them back again, but they're no longer a food truck. They sold oh. their truck. So this year we have Vogel's um, Burgers and more. And then um, also um, Adrian is coming. He's a taco guy and he doesn't have a truck, but he has a tent and a Foley's um, Sweet Treats, which is like um, shaved ice and frozen lemonade. That sounds great. I, I know Bubba's last year, we loved their pork nachos. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. So I was able to grab those right before they ran out. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. I think we learned last year we need to have a schedule for all of my people who are making bouquets and, and so we can stop and actually eat food <laughs> before it's all gone. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, are there any other changes that you think would be necessary to kind of put out there for anyone who's listening, who maybe came last year? Um, any heads up for what to expect um, coming out there? Well, we did change. We're changing the parking a little bit. So just when they're coming in to watch out for the, the new driveway, that'll kind of take them into the hay field. Um, we'll have people directing traffic, of course, but um, that's a new thing that will hopefully streamline um, people's enter, entry and exit a little bit. Um, hopefully they won't have to walk quite as far. And just some of our vendors are cash only, so remembering to, to bring cash. We do have, most people have their square and stuff, but that is something to remember too. 
that's a that's great. one of the things that we learned the first year was our major bottleneck was where we were putting cars and people walking up and down the road to, to try to get here. So, I mean, it, it worked. We had a couple of um, gators or, or mules, kind of little ATV things, ferrying people back and forth. But um, we had people walking a long ways to get here. So we've corrected that this year. Um, so we'll have closer parking. We've got more stuff happening in the shade than we did last year. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is more of the same as last year, just a little bit more. And I, last year it was quite a bit earlier, right? I mean, it was kind of like the second or third week of August or something. Yeah. That, that was another thing that we thought we would try is just waiting until we had a lot of people who said, oh, we were on vacation. We wish we could have come. And so thinking, okay, we'll do it after school starts and um, maybe the temperatures will be a little bit cooler. Hopefully our dahlias will be a little bit farther along, which another blessing in disguise, everything has been late this year. So I'm really glad that, that we pushed it to September because um, we've got the zinnias and dahlias are going crazy and we have more planted than we did last year during the event. Um, I also would just tell people, if you do want flowers, come early <laughs> because we did run out last year, but we're trying really hard to supply even from other local flower farms and bringing some stuff in to try and support them, but also just provide flowers for everybody who's wanting them that day. I'm looking forward to, it's going to, like you said, it's later in, in the, it's going to be closer to fall in September. And I just have a picture in my mind of 75 80 degree sunny weather and foot i'm going to be people are going to have football in their mind and going out and doing you know doing that before going home and watching some football or just it's uh i can't wait to see the second year of of this and so um aaron do you have anything else before we let them sort of plug any details uh about no, I got nothing. This was, yeah. this was awesome. I lived, yeah. I just got to listen to me. It's awesome. I'm tired yeah, of hearing myself talk. So this was a nice <laughs> change of pace. <laughs> so Tim and Lynn, thank you for joining us. Um, how about you go ahead and, and as we finish, just let everyone know where to find you on the socials, any uh, details that you want as, as far as the, uh, the flower farm day. Okay. We're, we're on Instagram and Facebook as Homeplace Fields, all one word. Um, pretty easy to find. We do have a website. It's www.homeplacefields.com. Um, farm day is September 10th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And um, we do have a Facebook event for that. So all the details you need to, to know are on that. But also most of it is on our website as well. Well, friends, I hope you will take the time to come out and join Join us. I know many from Wyatt Park Christian Church and many from the St. Joe area are going to be out there. And one of the reasons why we're doing this is because we want people here in St. Joe to just see what we have around us. It's very easy to uh, look at where there, there are needs and where there needs to be improvements, but there's so much good stuff happening here in St. Joe. So many awesome people who are living here. And Tim and Lynn, I think you are, you and your family represent uh, just a great a bright spot here in St. Joe. So um, God bless you both. And thanks for joining us today. Yeah.